You are listening to The Great Light Podcast, a resource aimed at building up the body of Christ and engaging the lost. This podcast is a production of Great Light Studios. For more information and resources, or to watch our films, go to greatlightstudios.com or find us on Facebook or YouTube. If you would like to support this program and the ministry of Great Light Studios, you can do so easily and securely through our website. There, you can also find both video and audio versions of the podcast. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. We talked last time about how I think that word was, when it says the earth was without form and void, that that can be I think fairly translated as as saying the earth became formless and void. Uh, We also saw that these words, when it talks about the words formless and void, the Hebrew meaning behind it, and then also whenever scripture uses similar language, both in Old and New Testament, it's always in reference to judgment. It's always in reference to sin and evil. And it's never in reference to righteousness. It's it's never used as an expression of God and his character and nature and who he is or or what what, uh, is the fruit of his kingdom. So all that, I think, to me indicates that this Genesis 1-2 is kind of putting... uh, putting a timeline to the fall of Satan, showing us, I think, that between Genesis 1-1, when God originally created the heavens and the earth, and then the earth became formless and void, there was some undisclosed space of time. And I think somewhere in that time, Satan rebelled, sin rose up in his heart. He rebelled, and uh, that resulted in God judging him and the angels that rebelled with him by casting them to the earth. That resulted in the uh, the physical expression of that spiritual reality, which which was formlessness and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. Um, so that word darkness, uh, last time I kind of, again, I talked about how the words formless and void whenever used in scripture are negative. Uh, the word darkness, I think this kind of goes without saying, but darkness is evil. It's it's always correlated with sin and the kingdom of darkness. It, it's, it's never correlated with God and righteousness and goodness. And, and the it's never an expression of anything that God is um, in his nature. So First uh, John 1, 5, it says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So I think if you, if you look at the actual Greek wording of this verse, it's actually, uh, it kind of uses a, a special emphasis to say, it doesn't just say there's no darkness at all, but it, it's it's actually what it's trying to say is like, there's no, no darkness at all. It kind of repeats itself. It emphasizes it. It says there's absolutely no, no darkness in God at all. God is fully and completely separated from all that is darkness. So, why is his creation then covered in darkness? So Jeremiah 23, 12, it references darkness. And this is a passage that, like other passages we, we talked about that speak about formless and void, they're talking in, in reference to judgment on sin and rebellion against God. So Jeremiah 23, 12, um, it says, Their ways shall be to them like slippery paths in the darkness into which they shall be driven and fall. I will bring disaster upon them in the year of their punishment, declares the Lord. So punishment 
is is uh, combined with darkness. Darkness is correlated to the punishment and judgment of God. Uh, Lamentations 3.2, um, again, speaking about God's judgment on sin, it says, he has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. So again, there's this separation to be separated from God, separated from his presence, disconnected from fellowship with him and reconciliation with him. It's resulting in darkness to to remove light is darkness. Darkness itself is the absence of light. So to remove God in judgment is is the result is darkness. So I think again these the scriptures use darkness and correlate it to the judgment of God, the punishment of God on sin. Um, if, and then looking at the New Testament, Ephesians five eight, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So darkness is bad. Darkness is correlated with that which is negative. It relates to that which is uh, has to do with the kingdom of darkness and sin. It's a result of God withdrawing himself from a person or a situation in, in wrath. And it's not something that expresses God and who he is. And then obviously, the, the last thing that I think is really significant is that hell itself the, the, the final judgment of God on sin and on sinners, on those who reject him, hell is described as outer darkness. Jesus uses that sort of terminology a lot to describe the place or the, the, the final judgment of sin and sinners. He describes it as outer darkness. So all this, um, the reason I'm, I'm, emphasizing this and showing you throughout scripture how scripture speaks about these things like darkness these words formless and void and when it uses terminology similar to this how it uses it in the bible as always in correlation with sin and judgment i bring that up because again and and uh we we've already established that creation is meant to be an expression of god expression of his character it's speech about who god is communicating to us the worth and worthiness of god so if creation is speech intended to declare and proclaim things about who God is, then why was creation in this condition? Isaiah uh, 45, 18 tells us clearly, it says, For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, he is God who formed the earth uh, and made it. He established it. He did not create it empty. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord. There is no other. So God created the earth. Uh, and Isaiah 45 is telling us he did not create it to be empty. He didn't create it to be void. Uh, the New Living Translation, I think, kind of uh, makes this a little bit more clear. It says, he made the world to be lived in, not to be a place of empty chaos. God did not create the world to be a place of empty chaos. The NASB says he established it and did not create it a waste place, but formed it to be inhabited. This tells us that the earth was not originally created to, to be formless and void. This, this is making it clear to us that what we are seeing in Genesis 1-2, I do not think was God's uh, was what God's original creation looked like, where in the beginning he originally created the heavens and the earth. I think between that verse in Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, where the earth became formless and void, something happened to cause that. Okay, so now we're going to look at the actual event of the fall of Satan. We're going to look at a couple passages. 
One of those is Isaiah 44, 14 through 17. The other one is Ezekiel 28, 12 through 19. Both of these passages are, they, ha they have a, a direct reference. They're, the prophecies are more direct references to specific kings, I think. Um, I think both of them, or maybe at least one of them, is a prophecy about the king of Babylon. So I think the thing about a lot of prophecies in the Bible, though, is that there's a, a double meaning. And so one example of this is, is passages of scripture about the Messiah, about Jesus, where there's passages that are obviously clearly have direct reference to David and talking about David and his kingdom. But we know and we believe that ultimately those are prophetic passages that have a double meaning, both directly about David and ultimately about Jesus as the Messiah. I think in the same way, there's passages that talk about the evil rulers, evil kings, but we know that the ultimate source of all evil, the ultimate source, the spirit behind these kings, the king of Babylon, who, who have this, this prophecy of destruction against them, the ultimate source of that is Satan himself, uh, the one, again, who brought darkness and sin into the, the creation of God. And so I think it has direct application to these specific kings in, in the historical context of these prophecies. But I think it has a, a spiritual application and a secondary application um, to Satan. And, and maybe that's even the more important application that we can draw from it. And so I think this does teach us, these passages do teach us about the fall of Satan. It gives us a little more bit more detail, I believe, to put in between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. And so if you're still following along with me, that's that's what I'm my view is. That's where I'm going to place these scriptures. We have Genesis 1-1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then sometime, some, there's some span of uh, time between that, and eventually the earth became without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. My view is that we can place these passages from Isaiah and Ezekiel between Genesis 1-1 and G Genesis 1-2 to kind of fill in the gap and kind of give us some more detail about what exactly happened to cause the earth to become that way. Let's jump into this Isaiah 14, 4 through 17. And, and I think we're, we're gonna kind of unpack some more details about Satan and his fall. So how the oppressor has ceased, how fury has ceased. Uh, the Lord has broken the staff of the wicked, the scepter of rulers, which is used to strike the people in fury with unceasing strokes, which subdued the nations in anger with unrestrained persecution. So these are all, I think, direct application to this physical human being king. But our struggle, our battle is not against flesh and blood. So our struggle is against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And I think this has that double meaning. This has the, the direct meaning for the physical kings, but this is applying to our spiritual enemies who are against us. And this is giving us some details about how he acts, what he does in the created world. He, his, he has this fury, um, he, the staff of the wicked, he has the staff and it says he uh, subdued the nations in anger with unrestrained, unrelenting persecutions. Uh, he strikes the people, I think particularly the people of God, with unceasing strokes. So this is kind of a side note, but if you're trying to follow Jesus and you're feeling like you're, you're being beaten with unceasing strokes, that things are coming against you, unrestrained persecution against your faith, 
I think this is kind of telling us that that's normal. That's to be expected because we have this spiritual evil king, uh, you could say, in the spiritual realm, these enemies who are against us. And this Isaiah 14, this is a prophecy, sort of a, a, a chant, um, a, almost like a, in a sense, like a mocking chant of victory after the defeat of these enemies. So uh, verse seven, the whole earth is at rest and is quiet. They break forth into shouts of joy. Even the cypress trees rejoice over you and the cedars of Lebanon saying, since you were laid low, no tree cutter comes against us. Sheol from beneath is excited over you to meet you when you come. It arouses for you the spirits of the dead, all the leaders of the earth. It raises all the kings of the nations from their thrones. They will all respond and say to you, even you have been made weak as we, you have become like us. So ultimately Satan, the power that he has, the, the God is giving him this allowance in the earth to kind of just wreak havoc, that's gonna be removed and he's gonna be put in his place. And so there's this, this, these words being spoken that you have be, become like us. You've been, your power has been removed. Uh, verse 11, he says, your pomp and the music of your harps have been brought down to Sheol. Maggots are spread out as your bed beneath you and worms are your covering. Verse 12, how you have fallen from heaven. O star of the morning, son of the dawn, you have been cut down to the earth. You who have weakened the nations, but you said in your heart, and this is where we're seeing, we, we talk about the James, uh, the wisdom that James talks about, the wisdom that is from beneath, that is demonic and evil, full of selfish ambition. We're seeing that in the heart of Satan here. So again, Isaiah 14, verse 13, uh, but you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God, and I will sit on the mountain of assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. There's a lot of I statements here. This, this is obviously that, that James, that wisdom that is demonic, full of selfish ambition that we, that we looked at in James. Again, I forgot, I think it's James chapter two maybe. Um, but that's what's operating here in the heart of Satan that results in his downfall is this selfish ambition, this pride, where he's going to disconnect from submission to God and this embracement of the, the knowledge of who God is and, and uh, how we should respond to him. Satan rejected that. And so, verse 15, nevertheless, you will be thrust down to Sheol, to the recesses of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you. They will ponder over you saying, is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world like a wilderness and overthrew its cities, who did not allow his prisoners to go home? So I think Satan was this angel created. Uh, he was unique and beautiful and, and this, this created being who uniquely was made to declare and bring worship and glory to God. It, it talks about like the the harps in verse 11, the harps and the the music. And I think often uh, there's there's some who will point out scriptures like this to, to say that Satan was in some form, in some way, like a, a, a master worship or musician who, who would uh, 
produce and play this worship music in the spiritual realm. And so uh, who knows how that all works or, or, or how much reality there is to that. But I think the point in all this is to say that sin was ultimately created to, just as the rest of creation, to declare and speak about and bring glory to the only one who who is glorious, to the source of all goodness, to God himself. I think what we're seeing here is kind of we're getting the inside of his heart. We're getting the inner workings of his mind a bit of, of what happened to lead him to uh, his downfall. And so it was obviously these I am statements or I will statements, the selfish ambition and the pride, the unbelief that caused him to disconnect from God's purpose for him and to go his own way. So Ezekiel 28, 12 through 19. Again, this is another prophecy that is directly applies to the king of Tyre, but I think it has secondary application, spiritual application to these events that we're talking about and to Satan himself. And so again, I think kings, these evil kings that are being described here and prophesied against, these I think serve as pictures of the ultimate evil king. Um, and so in the, again, I think in the same way that we look at prophecies of David, uh, the king of Israel, uh, and, and his kingdom, that those have that secondary application to the Messiah and to the ultimate king, I think, in the same way. These evil kings and, and their fate has application to Satan uh, and his fate and, and gives us more information about him. And so verse 12 of Ezekiel 28, Son of man, take up a lamentation over the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, you had the seal of perfection full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Satan, again, was created good. I think when God created Satan, this being, he was, uh, God looked at and said, it is good, like he did the rest of his creation. He was full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Satan, I think, was created with the beauty of God. He was, he, he had God's beauty and God's light within him being expressed. Um, just again, as the rest of creation expresses God's beauty, so did uh, Lucifer. So did uh, this angel that God created. So verse 13, it goes into like these different stones and rubies that represent this, this beauty and the, the, the workmanship uh, that went into creating this being. And I think there's a lot of uh, symbolic stuff that I'm not going to get into and I'd have to look into more. Um, but jumping over to 14, it says, you were the anointed cherub. Uh, who covers, and I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until righteousness was found in you. So this is give, giving us a little bit more background, I think, on Satan, on uh, who he was before he was Satan. Um, he was this, this being created in perfect beauty and wisdom, blameless in his ways, uh, until it says righteousness was found in him, until this pride rose up in his heart, this, this demonic wisdom, this evil desire. And so 16, it says, by the abundance of your trade, you were internally filled with violence and you sinned. Therefore, I have cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God, and I have destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I put, I put you before kings that they may see you. By the multitude of your iniquities and the righteousness of your trade, you profaned your sanctuaries. 
Therefore, I have brought fire from the midst of you, and it has consumed you, and I have turned you to ashes on the earth in the eyes of all who see you. All who know you among the peoples are appalled at you. You have become terrified, and you will cease to be forever. Intense, intense language. And I think there's a lot of things that connect directly to the passage in Isaiah that we just read. But I think this is giving us a little picture again of what happened. This perfect angel, this being created in perfection, perfectly uh, wise and beautiful, uh, a, a being created to glorify and worship God. Pride rose up in his heart, evil and sin rose up, and he abandoned that, that created place. He, he abandoned God's intention for him. And the result, God cast him to the ground. God, ultimately, God cast him to the earth. I believe the earth became, in a sense, like the dungeon, the prison cell, the, the place of judgment for Satan and the angels that rebelled with him. So it says, again, Genesis 1-2, the earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. If you look a little bit more into that word, the deep, I think the word behind that is abyss, um, the, the holding place. Again, I think it gives kind of gives that idea of the, the prison cell of, of the spiritual forces of wickedness. So Satan was cast to the earth. This was a huge cataclysmic uh, epic, if you want to say it that way, event that happened, I think, in the spiritual realm, but it had effects that that expressed themselves in physical reality. So Revelations 12, 7 through 9, we're going to get a little bit more detail on, on what we just read in Ezekiel. Jumping to the very end of the Bible, I think this is a, it gives us sort of a vision that John had that, that points us to uh, and gives us more detail on this, this event of Satan's fall. It says, Then a war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. Okay, so the dragon obviously is Satan. And here we have Michael. We have the, the angels of God, the, the ones who remained faithful to God, fighting against Satan. And the dragon and his angels fought back. So Satan had those who joined with him. But the dragon was not strong enough, and no longer was any place found in heaven for him and his angels. And the great dragon was hurled down, the, that ancient serpent called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. So I think when Satan rebelled, there was some form of a war, this, this, this battle that ensued. Again, who knows what that looked like? You can, I think your imagination can run wild there. But this event happened where there was no longer a place found for him in heaven. Because of his sin, this, this creation that was light that God brought into existence, um, he brought darkness and sin into reality, up out of his heart. And that resulted in God casting him out of his presence. So God removes Satan from himself. God is light. He removes Satan from the very source of light. He cast him to the earth as a prison cell. I think that resulted in this physical uh, reality of darkness and chaos and voidness resulting in the earth. I think this event actually impacted physical reality. Uh, I think it was such a significant event. Um, Luke 10, 17 through 18, Jesus says, uh, this is when he sent out the 72 disciples um, and it says, they returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. So he told them, 
I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So here I think Jesus, again, this is something that I think there's a couple, you can have multiple applications to. I think Jesus is saying directly, like in this, these situations, the, the disciples had this authority that they were walking in so that the powers of darkness were submitting to them and falling beneath their feet. They weren't having victory and dominion, but they were being subdued. Jesus says in that sense, he, he saw Satan fall like heaven from lightning. But I think, I think he's, he's pointing us to and he's drawing from a lot of these things that we're saying that, that yes, there was this direct application to Satan falling and having uh, failure in this, these instances with the 72 disciples who are getting victory over him in the earth, in these situations where demons were submitting to them, they're casting out demons, probably healing the sick, walking in these miraculous sayings, empowered by God and his spirit. But Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So Satan fell in that situation, but I think Jesus saw, I think too, historically this event where Satan fell like lightning from heaven, where, where there was this moment in the past where God cast Satan down. And I think ultimately Satan is cast down by us when we're walking in the authority of Christ. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Again, I think this was a uh, uh, an event that affected physical reality, like lightning from heaven. So lightning, what is it? It's this burst of like electricity and energy and light that lights up in this explosive uh, event. And then darkness. So I think in the same way, when God cast Satan to the earth, I think there was this explosion uh, of light. He fell like lightning. It was this cataclysmic, epic event, whereas this burst of light as all that, that was God's light and Satan was being retracted and removed from him. He was cast to the earth and, and it resulted in darkness and chaos and form, formlessness on this, this created world uh, that God made. God's original intention for the earth and this aspect of creation to declare his glory, to speak about who he was, it was now marred. It was tainted by this angel of God, this being who fell from heaven. So I believe that God originally created the heavens and the earth in perfection as a visible expression of himself. He did not create it as something that was void, empty, and chaotic wasteland covered in darkness. We already see the passages in Isaiah emphatically tell us that is not why God created uh, the earth. That's not how he created it. So I believe at some point after the original creation of the heavens and the earth, Satan was filled with pride and selfish ambition. And as a result of his sin, God responded with the judgment of casting Satan out of his presence to the earth. This was a spiritual event that happened in a spiritual realm, but the effects manifested in the physical realm. God cast Satan to the earth and withdrew the light and goodness of his presence as a judgment. This resulted in God's once good and perfect creation becoming a place of confusion, emptiness, desolation, and darkness. The earth became a sort of prison cell for Satan and the angels that rebelled with him. The ultimate result was that now God's perfect creation was marred. Darkness and sin entered into reality. The universe, which was meant to be a perfect expression of the beauty of God's character and nature, was now stained with the sin of one of God's created beings. So, man, what a picture I think this is of what happens in the human heart and soul when we sin. When there's this separation in our minds from God, and this kind of goes back to the, the verse we read from Ephesians 
where it talks about those who don't know God, the Gentiles, they're, they have this futility of thinking. They're separated from the life of God. And, and it results in this foolishness and this blindness and this darkness of mind. Their understanding, it says, is darkened. This happens within us, inside of human beings. But I think this, what we're seeing, this physical expression of that is something that correlates to what happens within the human uh, spirit, soul, and, and mind. When there's sin and rebellion and unbelief, we become, like Satan, disconnected, separated from the life of God. And when we're separated from God, who himself is light, the source of light, the result is in the earth, in the physical realm, darkness, formless, formlessness, and void, chaos. And I think within us, it's the same thing. When we become separated in our minds, people who are living separated from God, this, this, this is kind of a hard statement, but I think this is what Ephesians tells us. The ultimate reality is that there we can only walk in voidness and futility of thinking. To be separated from God in our minds, to have our understanding of God darkened so that we don't have an understanding of God, that is a judgment of God. That's, that's where he, he's removing himself from us. He's removing himself from our experience, from our, uh, from, from, uh, he, he's removing us from being able to have fellowship with him, communication with him. And again, this is what happened to, happened to Satan. But when that happens to us, I think it results in darkness, chaos, emptiness, desolation. Um, it enters into the experience of our souls uh, when we have this disconnection from God. This is something that I think um, obviously is a great problem. It's a great problem here we're seeing in Genesis 1, 2. This is not good. This is a bad situation, and this is something I think we can often find ourselves in when we are walking, whether believers or non-believers, we can, we can kind of enter into to these places where we're disconnected from God in our minds. We've, we've kind of lost sight of him. We've lost sight of his goodness. Our hearts aren't embracing trust in him. And I think at different levels, we can experience this. We experience that, that darkness and that chaos, and there's no peace. There's, God himself is the source of order and peace. So to, to become disconnected with him is to only be in an experience where there is no peace, where there's only disorder. And so what we're going to see with this great problem in Genesis 1-2 in the next episode, we're going to talk about God's solution, where he says, let there be light. God doesn't leave and never does leave these terrible situations to themselves. He never leaves us. He doesn't leave his creation to figure this out and fix it. Um, but he enters into the situation, and I think we're seeing here, we'll see Jesus being uh, uh, communicated within these words, let there be light, that this, this ultimately is prophesying to the ultimate solution that God, God would bring to what happens, the impact that happened in God's created order, and this ultimately resulted in the fall of man, and just, just a huge, uh, messy situation, obviously. In the next episode, we'll talk about God's solution, his word, let there be light. You have been listening to The Great Light Podcast. To find more information and resources or to watch our films, go to greatlightstudios.com or find us on Facebook and YouTube. If you want to support this program and partner with the Ministry of Great Light Studios, you can do so through our website. There you can also find both video and audio versions of this podcast.